This is a podcast from Minute Media. It's time for the Tigers Radio Podcast, the most complete coverage of Detroit Tigers baseball from the high-flying Tigers of Lakeland to the show. All right, we're back from our exile, which I'll be honest with you, the more I think about it, the more I realize it was much, much needed on my behalf. I don't know about you two, but um, we'll get to that in a second. But welcome to Tigers episode 415. As is the first episode for 2022, I'm, of course, with Helio Castillo alongside me is Chris Brown and Youper, and our special guest, who is now a two-time guest now, Mr. John Moore, will be talking about some Tiger, his Tigers article on Baseball Cloud blog. We'll get to that. He's a very good on the stats, and got a chance to meet him in May for West Michigan, right? That was in May? Yeah, it was. It was right right when the season started last year, the minor league season. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a lifetime ago now, if you think yeah. of the grand scheme of things. But you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, our media, and sister. Of course, you, we have our Patreon, and we have our and there's skits from Toledo on YouTube. So we're on YouTube live right now. And of course, you, the pod will be posted tomorrow on MotorCityBangles.com. Our top twenty is up. There's going to be some more articles about that. But honestly, Chris, I will say this: I, this is the longest period of time. The center was my lowest output of articles, lowest output of baseball, and I. I was fine with it. It was before I would kind of like freaked out, but honestly, I know you were even relatively quiet, which is unusual for you. Yeah. Um, um, honestly with this lockout, I think the lockout was well-timed, but I, I went through eight seasons of psych in two weeks. What the hell is wrong with psych? <laughs> it's a good show though. It's a good show, but yeah. it's just kind of strange. You know, it's funny as I spent, I, I swore that there was an, a Saturday night live skit, um, like a game show about who's been watching psych. Uh, but I was oh, wrong. It was I was wrong. It was about burn notice. Oh, <laughs> but uh, like what exactly is burn notice? That was the game show. But no, I've I've like Psych is it's like a cult hit. They've made it several movies out of it now. I, I think I don't think you're you know, it's not like you're a weirdo for watching that. But no, it, it's uh, I don't know. Like I wrote a handful of articles in December and did the prospects list and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's tough to force yourself to write about baseball when baseball doesn't seem particularly interested in <laughs> uh, <laughs> providing anything to write about, you know, and we could, we've got stuff to write about, but it's the holiday season and it's time for a break every now and then. Yeah. And you I, I know you probably maybe watched us play dice ball, but that was actually, that was a lot of fun and oh. extremely well for simply never doing that before to be well coordinated like that. It was, uh, I, I, we could probably end up doing it again at some point. It was, it was, it was gripping. Let me tell you. I still, yeah, I mean, I can't believe that it, it ended with a walk-off cycle from Rob Deere. That's, what are the odds the first time we play on, you know. And then the following day when I played with my brother, it was extra innings too. And I, this time mm-hmm. I won extra innings. But either way, yeah, there's been a lot going on in the last couple of days too. There's no sight of when the strike is going, this lock, excuse me, lockout's going to end. And it's just a lot of misery. But also at the same time, there's also some strangeness, which kind of coincided, kind of, happened within two days of each other strange first and foremost ken rosenthal who writes for the athletic and now the athletic's been owned by the new york times which was acquired today so that was announced he was like he's no longer part of the mlb network as apparently he was critical of rob manfield and rob manfield was like nah yeah what nah. you can't talk about me like that nah. and i thought that um i thought dave it was the the uh, david aldridge who writes for the nba wrote a great tweet he said 
I was critical of the NBA. Davis were calling me, cussed me out. I never got fired for it. And yeah. Um, yeah. the thin skin is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like nothing uh, says, "Hey, I'm in the right here." Quite like firing people who cr- are critical of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. It it's. Nobody likes Rob Manfred, from what I could tell. It would be fun if the players would would say, "Hey, you know what? We'll come back. Exact same contract. All these conditions. You just have to get rid of Rob Manfred as commissioner." It'd be funny to see that, but uh, of course they won't. Exactly. You know, it's over the years. If you watch a lot of MLB Net, and I do, because uh, I'm home with my son a lot, and uh, it's always been fairly obvious that there's an unwritten rule there that they can't go hard after a certain club or or the upper management of baseball because they never did. Mm-hmm. So it's just so interesting that something as relatively mild as what Rosenthal said. I mean, it was kind of veiled. It wasn't a direct shot, you know, Yeah, <laughs> get him on the road to being out. Right. Yeah. And, and Ken Rosenthal has never been like, he's not the sort of guy who's going to throw bombs at about anything. So yeah, it really, I mean, like that, that's probably, that's a good point. That's probably the most telling thing is it, this wasn't like a scathing criticism or anything. It was just like, Hey, things aren't great. You're out of here. So John, what was your, what was your, whole well, yeah, it, it actually wasn't, it was about what he wrote up during the 2020s. It wasn't about this lockout. It was actually stuff that he just got fired this week for something he wrote in 2020 about when the pandemic shut down the season. So yeah, it was ridiculous. I was pretty worked up about it. Yeah, didn't they say he was originally suspended for like eight weeks or something yeah. like that? And then, yeah, they finally like, yeah, so I, I don't know if he wasn't penitent long. enough. He didn't uh, perform his uh, eight eight tasks that Manfred, yeah, it's it's absurd. But that, I mean, it, it you know, Manfred shows you who he is. We saw all about him in that, that uh, Biogenesis documentary about, oh, the you know, one, yeah. Yeah, what what kind of guy he is. So it's not surprising. And it's disappointing that this sport we all love is just kind of run by these buffoons and, you know, small-minded, simple men. Well, you just go back to the network, too. You know, some of the best stuff that I enjoy listening to comes from the journalists that they have on the shows, on the various shows, more so than the ex-jocks. You know, I mean, I just think that they give us – they try to give us some input uh, in, uh, into, the, into the teams, but obviously they had that line that they couldn't cross. And I think now as we go forward watching this, we're going to know, you know, what we're hearing is, is very, uh, it's not unvarnished. It's highly varnished. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you, you assume that part of this is kind of a warning to anybody else at the network to, to like, you know, mind what you say and don't, you know, we don't want don't stray too far from the message this offseason, which is that the players are in the wrong. Yeah, well, and the thing, they're telling us Chris Russo is worth having around, but not Ken Rosenthal. <laughs> Think about that. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I had it queued up too, but uh, this is getting to be a pain in the ass. Uh, excuse my French, but I'm starting to get annoyed here. That to me. Say that to anybody. Say that somebody. <laughs> Yep. Everybody, everybody, lo- I, you know what's funny is, um, I I do not understand. It's just like it's almost like a Big Brother's watching you kind of thing. It's like 1984ish in a way with the what the whole situation and and how it's unveiled with that because I 
I don't want I watch MLB Network. I love I love Matt version. I like that show. I don't like Harold Reynolds at all because he's just it's like cliche after cliche after cliche kind of thing. And some of the gatekeeping by the, some of the people MLB Network is, is just astonishing. And I and Ken has done great things for charity. He's got his, with his bow tie foundation. What he's done, he's a good dude. And he, he was backed up by the athletic and then just like i said it was so weird that the next day they're like, oh the new york times bought it and so it seems really rather serendipitous that came, well, came that way well I, I remember hearing for for a while now that you know athletic was up for sale you know it was never wasn't it it wasn't really started by sports people i thought it was started by like venture capitalists or whatever so it was like that's correct you know, yeah so it, this was always the end game well uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens what comes of it i don't know I assume they don't make much money or I, I thought they were actually losing money. So they may be competition for us at uh, Motor City Bingo soon with their, you know. Bring it. Bring it. That's what I say. Bring it. 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 The newest Erie Sea Wolves manager, as there was a couple changes in the personnel department among the player development department for the Tigers. As at first, when I first saw this, I was kind of surprised, but then like, it was one of those things where I saw it work, and I ended up just I first was like, "Oh, what happened to Artie Gang? Or, or Artie um, Baylor? Artie Baylor? Yeah, what happened and and what have mm-hmm. you?" And so I originally kind of just didn't know what to think, what to expect. But along the way, I did find out Brian Payne will be back at West Michigan. So they announced all sorts of uh, development. So West Michigan, Dean Stills is going to be the pitching coach. C.J. Wamsley, the hitting coach. Nick Renderson is going to be the developmental coach. So, um, And then there's a baseball info assistant, which I think is a new position, I believe. I've never heard of that position. So, uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, that could, that, could, that could be somebody working with – you know, track man, that could be somebody who's just, you know, <laughs> who knows, but it, it is, it is refreshing to see. And we've been talking about it all off season. It's be like, you know, every three days, it seemed like somebody would be like, hey, I'm leaving this and I'm blessed to join the Tigers as a <laughs> developmental person. And it's like, all right. And yeah. It, it's like their development staff has grown by, you know, it's like three times bigger than it was before. And uh, of course the key is the name there at the top is no longer Dave Littlefield is no Ryan Garko. Uh, so yeah and it was either and it was either this week or last week they just hired max green from driveline too to be the well that's last week yeah good call. yeah last week it was last week wasn't that yeah yeah they're the so right now if, if you look at the top the managers across the board gary jones who, who had familiarity with aj Hinch, you actually managed him while he was in triple a edmonton in 1998 takes over Toledo. Gabe Alvarez, who was a Tiger, came up in 1998. I remember watching that game against him in St. Louis in 1998. That's how that, that kind of like, as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, wow, that would surprise me. He takes over in Erie, but there's the USC tie into that. So that all makes sense because of the whole Southern California thing to going on. Essentially, we're hiring everybody from that side of the country. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's interesting. And we, we will periodically see John Vanderwall, former West Michigan Whitecaps hitting oh, coach, okay. pop up and, 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 you know, talk some smack about all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's interesting because like there is that worry about the old boys club, you know, people just hiring their friends or whatever for, for coaching positions. This feels like a more modern, uh, justifiable version of that sort of thing is this is you're not necessarily hiring your friends you're hiring people who you know are going to agree with you on how to develop players and in that consistency is so important from level to level to yeah. keep keep make sure that everybody's getting the same message or everyone's working together to help somebody fix a problem you know they don't just get left out there because that i mean it's it's obvious that the tigers realized that they were not developing players the way they should they uh you know they had some good stories recently but you see other teams just consistently producing major league talent from their draft, from the international market. And the Tigers haven't been doing that. So good on them for, you know, realizing they needed to get better. It so, just seems like they're developing. I mean, obviously don't know a lot about all of these guys, but you get a sense of where they're coming from and what jobs they've had previously. And it just seems like they can have this trust of, uh, of a widespread mentality in the system that's kind of fairly uniform and on the same page. And I think that trust is important. I think hopefully that will be something we see dividends from. Yeah. And what's nice to see too, is that you have uh, Pena who did a really good job with the roster. He had big time roster change over turnover last year, quite a bit. He had some of the best prospects in the system. And then some of the guys he got from Lakeland that, they actually flourished pretty well and got back in Lakeland. Did, did, or excuse me, went from Lakeland and West Michigan did well. Case in point comes to mind, uh, Alfonso, who originally struggled, but then came back and finished year strong. Andrew Graham stays at Lakeland and Mike Alvarez. And it looks like, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, I think it looks like there's going to be one Florida uh, league, or one team instead of two. One complex. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, it does seem to be the way that they, they have it only with one team there. Um, which would be interesting, but, uh, I guess, you know, given that there's, there's still going to be fewer rounds in the draft and probably the similar amount of international players signed every year, it might make sense to have two DSL teams and one FCL team. Yeah. There's going to be, what's interesting too, is the hitting coach down in Lakeland is Francisco Contreras. And so I think there's going to be a lot of a flux of possibly the Latin talent coming to Lakeland this year from, from what it sounds like. And also across uh, Raphael Gill will be the one at the, in the complex league. So, and then there's a bench development slash development coach and that you can find that at the road to Detroit at road to Detroit. We also posted those, the new development on our Tigers Facebook page, minor league report Facebook page. So you can find that all there, but I was excited to see paying it back. Cause I, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of him, what he's able to do. They also posted the Academy, Dominican Republic Academy, how that's all going to break down as well. So there's, there's in, it's just, it's going to be to me what I've seen. It's just, it's refreshing. Well, you mentioned it earlier, Chris, there's just, a, a, it seems like a building of something down there. And, um, and then they also updated the entire player development department for um, Stefan, Stefanos Stroop is a pitching coordinator they have uh, Jorge Cordova, who's been with the organization for a while now, uh, the assistant co- uh, coordinator of pitching. 
the director of scouting minor league development admin is Cheryl Evans. So good to see some diversity there. Uh, we have, yeah, Ar- Arnie Bur- Baylor went to now is the base running coordinator in the outfield as well. So he's, he's got two titles to his role. Mm. So yeah, either way, there's some, some changes across the board. And then there, uh, I like this title too. And this is something that's really important for, and we based off the movie we've seen, uh, Sharon Lockwood is the culture simulation coordinator and that's important for a latin a lot of hispanic players that come in to get assimilated and get comfortable with their surroundings and making sure that they know what's going on and i really like that like that, that's a that's a meaningful title it's not some bs kind of thing yeah i mean that's huge it, it's anybody <laughs> could tell you you know if you're living on your own for the first time you're 17 18 19 years old and you <laughs> if you don't even speak the language and know how to get food you're gonna have trouble playing baseball so helping these kids out uh, it, it only makes sense it's amazing that that more teams haven't spent more on this sort of thing yeah absolutely and so and that's that's about it so like i said the, we'll, there'll be an article post at mercybangles.com breaking it down a little bit more tomorrow but so john i know you've been quite since graduation you started continuing to this process of learning quite a bit and last conversation we had with you we you did a really good job explaining more than just what spin is the, the dynamics of everything. And we really enjoyed the conversation, but the reason why we brought you in, in addition to, it was funny because we've talked about Nick Quintana and I saw Quintana in there immediately. I'm like, I know we had some thoughts about Quintana <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, this off season to you, has it been impressive and looking at some of the number numbers you talked about, but overall are the tigers in going in the right direction based off what they've done so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think they're going in the right direction. Um, overall, I mean, I like the offseason so far. Like, they, they're not going to sign Carlos Correa, who a lot of people wanted. But, I mean, overall, I mean, after the last couple of years, I don't think you can complain. And I definitely think that there's a chance they could maybe be a wild card team this year, which isn't – I mean, they haven't been anywhere near the playoffs since, one, 2016. So, I definitely like the way it's heading in revamp the whole player development system like you just said and things are definitely a lot better than they were two years ago even so yeah, yeah as far as i mean as far as some of the, the numbers you talked about too about biases what bias is going to bring to the, the table one of the numbers that really stands out was his the the, the, the o-swing percentage and yeah. the major league average—that was so. I was like that description. Like, mm-hmm. But uh, can you talk about that a little bit, John, and and how important that is to it for a hitter? So yeah, um, oh, a swing. So if anyone doesn't know, it's just the percentage of pitches outside the strike zone which the hitter swings at. And in the article, I had the table, and it was like the major league average is always like right around thirty percent, and bias is always like 46 percent. So it's like way worse than league average. And I think with Baez, I think I mentioned this in the article too, but when he, when I first saw, I saw him when he was played against West Michigan, like maybe 10 years ago now. And he's always, when he came up in the major leagues too, he's always just had like incredible bat speed, like elite, like top of the scale. And the last couple of years, it's gotten worse. And I think that's going to make the swing and miss a lot more too. But he's also started making contact on pitches in the strike zone a lot last too. I think there's Z contact, which is percent of pitches in the strike zone, which the hitter makes contact with. And that was the lowest of his career last year too. And the bat speed, it's 
when that if that keeps declining, like it's gonna obviously take away some of the power, which is probably plus in game power right now. And he's always near the top of the league in uh, max exit velocity. But I think if the bat speed continues to go, it, the offense could get pretty rough. So, but I definitely like his glove at short. I mean, they need that with the young pitching and especially when Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think we'll probably talk about, but he was one of the worst in the old baseball at converting ground balls into outs this year. So I think by having bias there will really help with the pitching staff too. It'll be interesting, you know, to see uh, what the bat speed does specifically over the next two years, because that's when the opt-out mm-hmm. kicks in. Right. You know, does he hold it together offensively for two more years and they get two quality years from him and then he, maybe he, he bolts mm-hmm. and then he can go, his back can slow down for somebody else. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the, uh, to John's point, I think one of the concerns was, I don't know, uh, who looked at it? I don't know if it was, it might've been MLB pipeline or, you know, Mike Petriello, whatever he writes for, uh, looked at it and, and Baez has seen some pretty severe declines in contact rates at fastballs above 95 miles an hour or something like that. So yeah, it's definitely something to watch. I, I also, I just tend to view him as a little bit of a unicorn, no matter what, like <laughs> he's going to go through these stretches that make him look like uh, he's not a major leaguer. And then there'll be stretches where he hits everything. And we see that with the Tigers have had a handful of guys like this kind of over the years where Nick Castellanos is similar. He, he He's a guy who would swing at just about everything, but uh, he, he had such an ability to make contact that it sometimes would work out for him. Baez is the interesting case where he swings at everything and doesn't make a lot of contact, but when he does make contact, it's hard. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be some trade-offs there, but I, you know, I was looking at the other day, Victor Reyes swings out of the zone almost as much as Javi Baez. The difference is Victor Reyes swings in the zone less than Javi Baez. It's a very strange combination where he, he, he takes strikes, it swings at balls, and he makes contact on a lot of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's tough to tough to figure out. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. We've, we've uh, litigated the Baez thing several times. He's going to be a super exciting player who's going to be really frustrating at times, I think. And definitely after Willie Castro, Nico, Nico Goodrum, Jody Mercer. I mean, it's a big upgrade the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, it, one of the things on, on defense, he seems to, he has that that range to get to just about everything, and it seems like a lot of his errors are the result. Because I think he was one of the like fielding wise, he and, and Fernando Tatis Jr. have a lot in common. They both seem to get to a ton of balls and throw a lot of balls away because they feel like they can make every single play. So I don't know. It's one of those things where you don't really want to rein a guy in and you probably can't at this point. But if you could just peel back Baez's aggressiveness on both sides of the ball by like 5%, you could have a really great player, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway right now too is what – for the Tigers, in terms of just shortstop, it's just it goes back even a little further than that. It seems like it's just, I mean, you can there's the comparisons defensively of in terms of like who the Tigers have had recently. There's I, there's nothing. I mean, the last I, I can go back to even earlier in the 2000s. It's it's just it's significant. I mean, teams even like I mean, as much as solid was John, Johnny Peralta was, it was he's not no bias in terms of range and what have you defensively, mm-hmm. but it's just it's so weird to think the Tigers have been so apathetic or just so 
uh, anemic, I should say, anemic at shortstop. And that kind of leads into the second acquisition, which Johnny talked about was in Raul Rodriguez, five years, $77 million, which was now looking at some of the contracts that happen afterwards. We talked about this before is a bargain. And you, the one of the things that we didn't really discuss, and this, you brought this up was the, the benefit of him moving on the AL East. And you look at some of the numbers in, in the new Yankee stadium and, and Fenway compared to the AL central, what is he walking into in the likes of the White Sox and Cleveland? When, and Chris is smirking over there, so I know Chris is going to have something big to say, but go ahead, uh, John. Um, yeah, like last year, if you just looked, like I feel like a lot of people just looked at his ERA, which was like 474 last year, but his expected ERA was only 350, and he actually had the best FIP of his career. And like I just mentioned, talking about Baez, he was, I think, might have been actually the worst pitcher at converting ground balls into outs. So I think a lot, he had a lot of bad luck. Like his Babbitt against to have up is 363, which is unsustainable. But yeah, I like, I mean, I like, he's like a quality mid He's not like a true ace or anything, but he's like a mid rotation guy and he'll fill in nicely. But I still think they need a, they need to sign like another starter or two probably. But I mean, I really, I like this signing a lot. Sorry, Chris, I thought you were going to say something. Uh, no, oh. sorry. I'm, I'm looking at some stuff. No, the, yeah, and even at the market, look at the, what the left in the market right now. That That's where I'm kind of like, you can go up the market. You can go a little older with Zach Renke. And, and I saw yesterday people were flipping out that Clayton Kershaw is at a Dallas Mavericks game. He's from the area, so there's an assumption that he's going to sign with the Rangers, which could be possible. Rangers signed everybody. They spent over $500 million this offseason so far. But in terms of starters, just looking at the free agent market and what's left, it is kind of a – it's kind of brutal. It, it, that's not kind of – it is brutal, to me at least, because you look at a guy like Carlos Ronon, and normally – Chris, you wrote an article about this last month. I like Carlos Ronon, but the injury risk might be too big, and it's just that's where – and we haven't heard a peep about like anything he's done. I mean, obviously before the lockout – what he was going to do and what have you. There was no traction on him. Yeah. And it seems like a pretty big red flag when the white Sox had him and he was awesome for them and he came back and he wasn't so good and they didn't give him a qualifying offer. <laughs> like, eh, they probably know something that's, that's not great there, but, uh, go ahead. The game log for the last yeah. couple. Of I mean, he struggled to get out of the fourth inning half the time. Uh, and you know, anytime you watched, uh, you know, uh, Steve Stone was always talking about that velocity was coming and going for him. Um, so they're worried about that shoulder. There's no question. Yeah. And the one thing I was looking up to, to John's point, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez's BABIP last year, 363 is the highest since at least 2010 for any starting pitcher, any pitcher who threw 120 innings in a season. Wow. It's just yeah. basically the, the most unlucky, if you will, uh, in the least uh, a decade, so yeah, something to that. And like he doesn't, the stuff doesn't really stand out that much, honestly. But if you watch him, he just always just try to. He has to locate that fastball just like around the edges of the zone. But he just has a lot of different ways to attack hitters. Like he has the four seam fastball, sinker, cutter, and then he started throwing the changeup more recently. 
and he also has a slider which is um 44 inches of drop on average and a vertical approach angle of negative nine degrees which i should probably explain what vertical approach angle is right so it's just the um vertical angle the pitch when it crosses the plate like so it's always going to be negative because you're throwing off like an elevated surface but it's just the vertical angle of the pitch as it crosses home plate and that negative nine was one of the top sliders in baseball last year. Like if you want a, a good example of a really like good vertical approach angle, um, a guy in the Tigers division, which the fans are all probably familiar with is um, James Karinchek with Cleveland. But his is because his arm slots way over the top. So vertical approach angle, it usually, um, I mean, it's influenced by arm slot, pitch location and pitch type, obviously like, curveballs are going to have a steeper vertical approach angle than fastballs. So I just thought that was interesting. I was looking at that the other day. As far as, and then the, in terms of pitchers that are out there, one of the things I was, some of the pitchers I was getting to look at was I, I did a kind of deeper dive on somebody that somebody mentioned in the discord channel, which was Michael uh, Pinea and he just seems like there's numbers across across the board is losing velocity a little bit and his whip can continuously creep up a little bit. And he's also been injured. I mean, he, he doesn't stay healthy. He can pitch over hundred innings, which is something you want out of the fifth starter. You have Chris Archer, which again, you don't know that he's just coming off that surgery where it's just kind of a, a liability. I would say maybe wait on what you can get from the likes of signing somebody like, the uh, was the gentleman from Calif uh, the California, the Angels that uh, is going to be injured next to start the season. Um, Bundy, Dylan Bundy, oh. yeah, who's mm. going to start the season in the IL. But the rest of the market, you have the likes of John Lester, who's not getting any older, probably looking to stay with a contender. J.A. Happ, be 40 this year. Scott Casimir, uh, but again, <laughs> it's just, it's kind of like I said, Garrett Richards. And then Carlos Martinez, but forget about Martinez. Is I mean, he's got a good – I think he might be – his better – his future for him would be a reliever. But is there any names, John, before I get to Chris and uh, Chris and Uper, is there any names on that list that kind of appeal to you at all, in a sense, from an analytical standpoint? Yeah. Um, I haven't really – honestly, haven't really looked at the rest of the free agent market, but I was just looking at your thing you just came out with the other day, and – I think you talked about Carlos Mardone and who else was that in there? Oh, um, Pineda. Pineda, yeah. 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 Um, honestly, like, like you're little, you're legit trying to, trying to fill like out the back of the rotation at this point. So, I mean, I don't think you have to throw a ton of money at it. But and mm -hmm. Wentz is not ready yet, but he's close. Like, I think Fiedo's probably a reliever, so you definitely need someone else. But yeah, I don't know. It, Walter brings up a good point in the YouTube chat is Matt Boy the cheapest option on Peralta. And I I wouldn't mind them bringing back Peralta as a fifth starter. Yeah, me neither. Uh, and Tyler Alexander, who there was a good question on Twitter yesterday from, I believe it was, uh, forgot the gentleman's name that left that. It was Joe, Joe, Joe M. said that, asking about if, and I'll ask you guys read this question. If Tyler Alexander makes 25 or more starts, does that make the Tigers more of a contender? And <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Well, I mean, he pitched 
reasonably well last year. He was better than Matt Manning last year. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously he doesn't have the the theoretical ceiling of Matt Manning, but uh, if he pitches like he did last year and he makes 25 starts like that, that would be just fine. He was basically equivalent to Casey Meisen uh, last year. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't think that's an ideal scenario. You probably want him as a depth starter, but um I don't know. I, I mean, I we've we've had some of these discussions in Discord, and, and I think uh, I worry. I do worry about the Tigers' depth for starting pitching. We we talked about it last year. They they kind of. I mean, it was a small miracle that they were able to get through with Peralta and Alexander pitching as well as they did. But they had the good fortune of having three young starters who they could use. Uh, Manning obviously wasn't great, but you know they needed him and he was there. But if they have injuries this year. I mean, we, we look last year, who did they lose? They lost Boyd after a handful of starts. They lost Turnbull. They lost Tehran immediately. They lost Urania for uh, a good portion of the season. You have to figure they're going to lose a handful of starters this year. And if it's, you know, if they lose Mize and Scooble for a good portion of the year, you got Rodriguez and not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So they need to add some depth. I, I think the what I would like to see them do is kind of, you maybe target guys who you can put in the bullpen now or at the beginning of the year and then if the need arises they could be stretched out a bit to start a few games and and i don't know if that's like a colin McHugh kind of uh you know he used to start i think he's more of a reliever now but so you know some of these guys we've seen at other teams like garrett richards or you mentioned chris archer I mean, he's an interesting name that but guys along that that route where you don't have to pay a ton of money probably and you promise them a chance to start you know, in spring training. And then if not, you could put them in the bullpen. Uh, other than that, you're going to have to get some more of those triple A guys. You know, you, you end up with Drew Hutchison starting again, or, uh, or we may see, John mentioned, we, we may see Wentz. We may see Alex Fido. We may see Bo Brisky or Garrett Hill. Even, I mean, they may have to go deep into the, the minors to get some starts this year. And that's a, don't forget something that I did see in Venezuela recently was the, the possibility of having Franklin Perez pitch this winter season. But there was that was just talk. I was I was I was listening to a, a Venezuelan baseball podcast. That's how you know. And during my break, I did well, not forget my duties. But it was like the same time I was listening. I'm trying to in my Spanish is I'm polishing up my Spanish this year. I'm planning on doing some more Spanish, and so I was listening in, and they mentioned Franklin Perez, and my ears perked up a little bit. But they he's still I think he's still recovering. But it, it would be interesting to see what they can get out of him because who knows what state he's at right now. Yeah, and, and it feels we talked about this before. It feels like oh, he's you know he's done for. He's had so many injuries. He's an old man. He's two years younger than Alex Fiedo. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not too late for him. You just you know he needs to get out and pitch. And I tell you what, the the people listening out there need to know that this podcast is list, we're monitoring Venezuelan baseball podcast for Tigers news. That is going to for our listeners okay rod can you be proud of this it's also getting solid arepas recipes yeah <laughs> someone just yeah. Said smiley in the chat i was also gonna say rick Purcell is still out there yeah <laughs> you know what's funny is i hear and, i feel like we're like rick Purcell is carmen san diego where is rick parcella like there's another guy who's way younger than it seems like he should be is he even 33 yet no he's 31 yeah, Rick Porcello is thirty-one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, thirty-one and two seventy-four. Yeah. So, 
That's yeah, yeah it's was, ridiculous. He was nineteen in two thousand nine when he came up. Well, he just turned twenty, but yeah. Oh, you're right. He just turned twenty, but. But yeah, still, I mean, he's uh, yeah, December. He just turned. Oh wait, no, he just turned thirty-three. Okay, so he turned thirty-three December twenty-seventh. Still thirty-three. That's uh, six years younger than Justin Verlander. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he's a guy like, I don't know, we, we, we've seen this a little bit where there are a lot of guys, you know, Kyle Seeger retired. He didn't necessarily have to. Buster Posey retired. I think there are a lot of players who don't necessarily. And, and I wonder if it's that having that year off for the pandemic or, or you know, having more time with your family made people go, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm doing OK. I've got tens yeah. of millions of dollars that'll do we can make this work uh so who knows if Forcella will ever come back and i which is interesting because i thought he was another guy like rodriguez who in his final year of pitching which i guess was 2020 right with the mets yeah yes his, his peripherals were great but the era was ugly uh but it was like his best fit ever so yeah. i don't know i thought uh thought he'd come back at some point but who knows maybe he's just done yeah and then he had a really bad looking year with boston before that too but like, I'm looking right now, his BABIP against was 373 in 2020, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. But it was, like, one of the highest strikeout rates of his career, one of the lowest walk rates, so. Yeah, there were a lot of things pointing, at least to, to public analysts, there were a lot of things that were pointing. I, maybe behind the scenes, everything was getting uh, ugly. But, yeah, he's a guy who didn't seem done, but, you know, if you want to be done, you could be done. Yeah, especially because, I mean, this whole uh, – entire there's been no type of arrangement or no type of anything discussed about what's going to the next contract going to be and maybe that's what it is they're just like i don't want to yeah and i mean that's that's one thing we you touched on a little bit but it's something that that is kind of uh a bummer as i think a lot of us were sort of planning on this lockout being a little bit of like a you know just going through the motions, they'll figure things out and get get ready for the start of the season. But all the insiders, the people who are you know familiar with the the negotiations slack or, or slash lack of negotiations, seem to think that this is going to last a lot longer than they originally thought, and it may end up costing us some regular season games, which is a giant bummer. This is I don't think fans want to see that after the last couple of years, but that may be what happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's there's no I don't know, getting back to the the article real quick too is just this before we move on to the article rather I just when you see I forgot who tweeted out earlier that the negotiations this is an empty table I mean it is the first of the year I get it there's the first week of everybody's coming back to work and people are still on vacation in some cases so the the other thing I wanted to ask you about John was we look at the outfield situation right now and you look at what the potential outfield is going to be in the likes of Badu, Grossman, Reyes, potentially Green. There's a lot of talk that it looks like Torkelson and Green may some bold statements they may, they may make the team out of spring training. But as far as the outfield is concerned, do you think the Tigers need to add another bat? Because I, I I firmly believe they do. But is it just going to with Badu's batting average against lefties? Is this going to be a platoon situation? Do you think, or are they going to have? To, what do you think it's going to be? A, a sophomore jinx or there's a lot of factors that play in this. Yeah. I'm, I definitely think they should look into adding another outfield bat. I I mentioned this before when I was on, but I'm not a big Victor Reyes guy at all. I just, I'm just not. Um, but yeah, I definitely think you should at least 
look when the lockout ends looking at adding someone else for out there because yeah like it's probably Badu, Grossman, maybe Green probably won't come maybe probably won't break the team out of camp but and you don't know what you're going to get out of Green and Torvalson too when they come up. Like, I feel like a lot of people think they're just going to come up and just like mash right away and just be like all stars, but you don't know what you're going to get. Like, just last year in Seattle when Kalanick came up, you really struggled and got set back. Like, that could easily happen to one of those guys too. So, you definitely should add someone else out there. And someone just said, mentioned Andrew McCutcheon in the chat. I don't, I don't really, wouldn't really get that at all. I feel like they should go for someone younger. But. Yeah, that's my, my that was my impression too. Somebody asked that on Twitter, and I thought that McCutcheon. I love Andrew McCutcheon. I love yeah, him. He's a, he's a really good team player. He had some really kind words about Camara Barty, who, by the way, passed away suddenly and was going to see his father, and uh, that was kind of it was a big loss for anybody who knew him. But I love what McCutcheon said. He was just he came out on Twitter and was talking about his experiences with them, and that was that was really cool to see, and. A very heartfelt message, but I, yeah, I, I would rather go younger or something like that. I, I thought Michael Conforlio, I mean, he was just shy of hitting 30 home runs a couple of years ago is out there. I, I, I like him as a bat. Although his numbers, again, he does have a WRC plus of over hundred the last couple of seasons. It's been dropping a little bit, but. Um, well, in but, the one thing we mentioned, it, it may be neither here nor there, but that, uh, that John mentioned, I think uh, that the new hitting coordinator in the minors, is it, is it Gordon? Is yeah, his name? I said Max Green earlier. It's Max Gordon, though. Max Gordon, yeah. the outfield with Michael Conforto at Oregon State. They were on the same team back in the day. Yeah. Not that that would mean anything. He's going to be a major leaguer, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you use your connections. What are you going to get? Um, no, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it, the outfield market really doesn't seem to have uh, – it, it didn't seem to establish itself very much in the first free agency period, if you will. I mean, who we got Garcia signed, Marte signed, but they're still like Schwarber's still out there. Castellanos is still out there. Um, I, I don't know. Over at Fangraphs, they, they were, the crowd was predicting two years and 24 million total for McCutcheon. I'd be shocked. I, I think he, he'll be lucky to get one year and 10 million. Probably. Yeah. He's a great like leader guy, uh, you know, leadership that that's, that's worth something, but I, I don't know if he's a regular anymore. Yeah. Schwarber's out there still. Yeah, I mean, well, he's not. I would wouldn't play him in the outfield, but there's Eddie Rosario too. Mm-hmm. Right. He, you know, he's just fresh off the World Series, and is, I, is, uh, is Jack Sol- Peterson. Is, yeah, is Soler a free agent? Yep, he is. He's yeah. available too. He yeah, sure it, turned his life around last second half last year. I'll tell you that. And you, I'm going to give you a lot of. And Michael Meyer in the in the YouTube comments said you can fix the outfield in June and July and trade market the young guys injuries cut down production. And he mentioned Atlanta showed it. It was really well done. And you're right, Michael. It, it was something that for once for the for the Braves the trade deadline actually paid off. Um, yeah. You've you've been on this kick for two years. You've been advocating this long before we even have about this outfield situation. So it's it's. it's to me, it starts to kind of like you realize across the board, if Riley Green, let's say Riley Green doesn't come out as what John mentioned earlier, you look at the depth down the, and back down in AAA, and there's nobody, nobody. I I mean, you can you, you have Jacob Robson come up, and, and that's that's great and all, but down it's even down in Erie, it gets a little, it gets a little scary down in Erie. 
The last time I came on, we were talking about the outfield too and how there was just no depth. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got, you got to figure out eventually what Daz Cameron is. You got Derek Hill. They've got some bodies there, but yeah, I don't know if anybody is is really going to step up and be a legit Milby player, but who knows? Maybe this is what the developmental staff is all about. They're going to come up and fix all these guys. But, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, somebody else, I don't remember who it was. Somebody suggested Jorge Soler, and it sounded interesting, but he's really, I mean, he's a corner bat only, and that is pushing it. He's a guy who who is not a good defender. No. Um, and, yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know. You, you either want, like, a, a starter for sure or somebody who can capably fill all three spots, and I'm not sure uh, if, if Soler fits there. I'm not sure who does, actually, right now. But yeah. you know they have the but the one thing he does have is he has that forty seven home run season, whether that's gonna be a, his his outlier season or not. You know, that's on his resume. And he had that hot finish last year, which he was leading off and he was he was dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he lost Comerica Park. Some power in the outside. <laughs> he by the way, his batting his slash line, by the way, Uper at Comerica. 307, 400, 653 with an OPS over a thousand. With uh oh, you know, oh, I don't know, eight home runs and he's he essentially is thirty-one uh oh thirty-one for oh or oh one and why I can say that in thirty game in thirty games at Comerica Park. He he's not a perfect fit for the Tigers. I Chris is right about that. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of deficiencies there where he's 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 not perfect, but at the same time. I don't know. The perfect guy may, might not be on the free agent market, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So if I'm going to put some money into somebody, a guy who had 47 homers a couple years ago, not a, not the worst spending. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, he, he would definitely, you know, he would it lengthen the lineup. But it, to, to Michael's point, um, the the uh, you know the Braves went out there where they added four outfielders, so they proved uh, you know cheaply. Uh, but baseball's like every sport. It's copycat league, so I'm not sure getting, you know, four outfielders will be as cheap next year. I think some other teams that have outfielders be like, hey, look what these guys did last year. Uh, yeah. So it, that might, and other teams might get the same idea. So I don't know. It, it I, I'm torn because I, I do feel like there's still a couple of young guys. They, they really should get at bats in the majors to see if they have anything uh, in, in, I, I'm not quite sure if they're really ready to compete this season. And that's yeah. the only thing that, that if they really want to go for it, then yeah, there are outfielders out there. They can certainly upgrade there and, and it would be worth it. But I don't know. I'm just not sure if they're quite ready for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, it's just one of those things where I think the Tigers are another year away. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about John, in terms of some of the production, we talked about Eric Haas a little bit back in December and him kind of, cornering the, the backup catcher and then kind of playing on left field. Uh, in terms of what your thoughts about him in the platoon, in a platoon-like situation, he's going to be serviceable at best, but it, it just seems like is he is in the outfield, is he, more, is he a liability? I mean, I thought he played a decent outfield last year. Yeah, I, th- I thought it would be way worse than it was, honestly. But, I mean, you're obviously putting him out there for the power – He's always been a guy, even in the minor league, just a guy with huge raw power. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
ideally you don't want him out there. And they even had him taking ground balls at first base last year, if I remember correctly. Wasn't it him? Yeah, that was yeah. I have, yeah. Yeah. Which I mean you're I mean, he's out there for his bat, obviously. And I mean, I think I mean I'm pretty sure his offense was sustainable from last year, but like, yeah, he's just a too big of a liability for me to be comfortable putting him out any can with any consistency out in the left field. I would just rather use him as the backup catcher. Yeah, it looks like he played two innings at first base last year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing that, that kind of confused me, uh, I don't know if confused me, but yeah, they only played him in left field and he's a catcher. He's got a, a big arm. Like, mm-hmm. why did they ever try him in right field? I, I feel like right field might be a little bit easier to play in Comerica, but maybe they just worry about right center, yeah. you know, giving him, uh, you know, killing him in the Bermuda Triangle out there. But I don't know. Yeah, there's been talk about moving that part in too. It's been been talked about more and more. But I don't and know who that is. I re- if they, I, I, I know it's been a constant complaint. I just feel like that's going to backfire on them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you've made this kind of dedicated your rebuild with these young pitching, and you, you're gonna Tarek Skubal out there giving up 60 home runs without the fence moved in. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be trouble. But but hey, they might hit a few more dingers, so it'll be worth it. As far as we appreciate the questions on YouTube tonight. So I know Absolutely. We, we didn't really, to be honest, I should have promoted the show a little more last week, but I've just been New Year's, everything. It's just the holidays, everything, get back and swing things. But we'll be doing shows pretty much until baseball comes back. But again, formatting wise, will be a little different because, again, unless there's breaking news coming out uh, constantly about a, a, break, a lockout or what have you. So the baseball talk will be there, but there'll be some elements, especially because I got a, there's a, um, in terms of the NBA, there's the NBA going on right now, the NHL, the, the, the Michigan getting their asses kicked by Georgia, which we shall not talk about, uh, but that, <laughs> that happened in Michigan State, won over Pitt, so good job by the Spartans there, but beyond that, it's just like, in terms of sports and everything, this is kind of that weird point in the offseason too, where if you don't pay attention to the basketball, or you don't pay attention to that. the game tonight for the wings and ducks, by the way, was canceled due to COVID. So there's just, it's so weird on a Thursday or Friday night sometimes that there's barely anything going on in terms of even the so, bowls this year were kind of the mail bowl. Uh, it was, uh, that was bad. So Raj, will uh, Harbaugh be coaching the bears or the giants next year? I think he's going to go to the bears. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Raiders, I, I, he has a really good connection. I remember him. I remember him as a him specifically with the Bears and the Colts. I don't even remember him as a Charger, but he was captain comeback in the Chargers too. But um, that, yeah, Walter brings up a good one. That that was a classy move by Cameron Maven, and I think I hopefully hope he ends up in the booth. I think he'd be a really good guy in the booth to have, um, or him and Austin Jack. I want I want Austin Jackson back. I think Austin Jackson did some radio games last year. Yeah. Yeah, he the stuff, the off the field stuff that Niben has been doing has been great, and I would, you know, I'd be happy if he continued doing that because it's it's a lot of outreach and, and getting, you know, underserved communities into baseball, which I think is awesome. And he's he and and Rick Porcello are great examples of guys who, like, it feels like they didn't necessarily live up to the hype, uh, but they were actually fantastic major league players, like yeah. they, they, far better than what uh, is average for players drafted uh, like, you know, where they were. So that's one of those things we, we see 
I don't know, somebody brought up in the, the Discord chat about Jackson Job, his ceiling. It was like it was like a Hall of Famer. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, there's like a two percent chance he even plays for ten years in the majors. Like, let's. So, but in, in any event, yeah, yeah. I mean, Cameron Maven, great three-time Tiger. How many people could say that? Maven stuck around forever too. When did he come up? Yeah. Like oh six, oh seven. So I mean, fourteen years is not a lot of people can say they played fourteen years and. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in that spectacular 2005 draft. Uh, we mentioned McCutcheon. Somebody else mentioned Justin Upton. They were both in that draft. You're talking, who else was in that? Tulowitzki, Ryan Braun, Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, just, just one of the great gra- drafts of all time. Mike Pelfrey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I subtly and, that you threw that in there. But yeah, I mean, he, he ended up having. He had a couple. I don't know if he ever made the All Star team. I don't think he did. But maybe he did with the I Padres. He had like a 50 right steal season. Uh, it doesn't look like he did. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that that's that's a strong, solid MLB career, even if it wasn't necessarily as the you know Willie Mays superstar some people thought he might be. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's only thirty four too. Holy crap! It is interesting to think of him as his retiring before Miguel Cabrera, for whom he was the prospect. You know, he was yeah. a prospect traded for but yeah they could put him in the booth and take jack morris out that's fine Anybody can. yeah i mean i thought austin jackson and dan dickerson last year as you mentioned john in the booth were they were a really good combo i thought they really like considering that they never worked with each other i thought austin jackson did a really good job when they were in texas that was yeah i was listening to those he did i thought he did a really good job yeah out of all the out of all the guest ones that they just had like one offs and everything, he was probably by far he stood out more than anybody else. I think because he also had the nice the ability, of the cadence to know when to talk and not to talk, and he just said enough, got out, and then went back in when he needed to. And that's that's hard to do. Like trust me, you know, especially Chris this year when you're in the booth with with Dan. <laughs> I was like, I, I would wait for the when Dan was about to make the call or do the call. I wouldn't talk because I'm like, I'm not gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna step on his call. And then he would, you know, go back. I would wait for him to address me because it's like I'm not, I'm not gonna be that guy going, oh, blah 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 blah. No, no one cares. You want to yeah. hear what Dan has to say? So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, yeah. So, um, but at any rate, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to end the podcast with before we get out of here is John. What do you have going on coming up? Uh, what are your plans this year? We're going to see you in some more minor league games this year again, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so actually that article, I because I just started a new day job, My that article I wrote was actually like the first thing I've done since September, I think. But I'm, now I'm settled into my job and stuff. I'm going to start doing stuff a lot more consistently. I have something I'm finishing on Otani that should probably be out next week. Cool. And then I wanted to look in. I was doing a Brewers article on their pitching development. So yeah, that should be out in the next couple of weeks too. But I'm gonna be doing stuff a lot more consistently now that I'm settled in my job and stuff. So very cool. Yeah, and they're in the baseball cloud a little bit. Explain. I saw that they they have a lot of the analytics. The, the Yacker Tech, which does a really good job with tracking um, pitching and, and all sorts of stats like that. What, talk about that website a little bit and how people. Of course, you can find them at baseballcloud.com and on Twitter at baseballcloudus. But talk about that site a little bit and, and how'd you get involved in it? Yeah. Well, I 
I did my internship there last year and it's just like a, it's a baseball technology and data company based out of Florida. And they're actually, if you follow their Twitter right now, they're down at the ABCA this week with some pretty cool stuff. Like they have a whole setup for the new analyze R thing that come out and they have pitch R and ball R, which if you go to their website, the ball R thing's pretty cool to play around with. It's just like a ball and you can like change the spin axis and stuff. I've used that in a couple of my articles there. It's really cool to help. It really helps you like, um, I don't know, like get a feel for the metrics and stuff and what they are. Like if you don't know much about like spin access and stuff, like you can just go in there and play around. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they have, yeah, I saw that they have a QR code right now. If you go down, if you're down in that neck of the woods, Johnny Gomes is speaking on the 8th in the morning. So if you want to check that out and I retweeted it so everybody can find that. But yeah, there's, that's something that I'm taking the next couple of weeks to investigate more because there's it, I like the fact that it says no no more spreadsheets mm-hmm. and for somebody from my day job I work in spreadsheets all day and then I do something I like and I love my day job don't get me wrong but when I do something like for baseball I'm like another another spreadsheet and Chris is right there as a guru is like wow no problem do you don't don't be so modest Chris because he, every time no, I, go ahead I, I use spreadsheets a lot, but I'm not like a spreadsheet wizard. I can do some small math formulas and color code things. That's about it. It's more than some people can do. Trust me. It, it spread, we work in spreadsheets all day for Google Analytics and running reports on uh, sales leads and stuff like that. After a while, it's just like it becomes it all blends together. It's not interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting at the time, but in terms of baseball stats, if you find something that can get rid of the spreadsheets, I'm all for it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some really cool data that you can check out there. And so, uh, and you can follow John and a John Moore on Twitter and I'm glad to see you back in, in the swing of things with baseball. It's uh, always good to have you on and, and good to talk to baseball. And again, when we do a trip to West Michigan this year, hopefully we'll go out before the game, have a couple of uh, soda pops and what have you. And uh, we're <laughs> what, what have you. And so, uh, and have some extended conversation mm, for sure yep thanks for having me as always all right no problem and like i said we'll be back next week again we'll uh be exploring some more formats and it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a podcast about charlie with the the squeaker he's coming he's got the new yeah we took the carpet off the stairs so now he can stumble down the stairs now with the squeaker <laughs> what, what are right. you doing <laughs> there, oh there oh there he is he's oh, so hello. Yeah, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, he doesn't like being on camera, I guess. Oh, Walter, thank you for the comment about the hat. Yeah, that's the Cyberpunk collection on Hat Club. And so, listen to Hat Club. If you're listening, please sponsor the show. Just send me <laughs> hats, send Uper hats, and mm-hmm. I'm sure your son would want a hat, right, Uper? Oh, absolutely. He's yeah. got to augment the jersey collection with some hats. Yeah, this oh, is wow. the cyber. This is the Cyberpunk collection. It's got that right there, the, the 2000. Nice. And it comes with a really cool pin too that uh, let me put right here. And real quick, so you find the pin. Yep, comes a little cool little Hat Club pin. Hmm. So if you collect. Does it come with any NFTs? (laughs) Dude, if I hear the word NFT again, I'm gonna scream. Look, I just need to spend a bunch of Ethereum on them. Gary V, I, I, says, I saw, I looked up something about NFTs. Also, now I have these YouTube suggestions. What do you need to know about NFTs? It's like, stop. So, at any rate, we'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.
Bye.